Amen. Amen. Blessed be your name. Please pray with me. Lord, you are calling us on a journey to freedom. And we're praying, Lord, that we will increasingly experience that freedom in our lives. And we're praying that at the end of that road of freedom, that we will be so free that we will reach one more life with Jesus. It's not about us, it's about you, and we pray that your spirit would teach us today what we need to hear. We ask this in his name, Jesus, amen. All righty, you'll know about that a little bit later. We're on a journey to freedom. And it's interesting that God, when he calls people on a journey to freedom, never kind of just frees them to let them do whatever they want. Even as God freed the Israelites from their slavery in Mount Sinai, he gathered them around Mount Sinai and says, I freed you to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You're going to represent me to the whole world. And by the way, I have some ideas about how you might want to live to do that. So he gathers them together and encourages them to live their freedom in a special way that can reach those that did not yet know his name. We are on a journey to freedom. And we've been talking about that over the last several weeks. We began it in September with the, uh, our, uh, everybody being debt-free. It's a journey to freedom in our finances. We've also, if we kind of look at all the different areas, the circles that we talk about here in Messiah, we've been encouraging you to begin a journey to freedom, whether it's in your finances, or whether it's in your uh, marriage and dating, whether it's in your family life with the parents and all of this involved with that, or whether it's those, those life issues, the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups that sometimes take control of our lives. We've been encouraging you to be on a journey to freedom. But it all really does kind of come back to where is Jesus going to be in that journey? Where is your relationship with Jesus going to play in every aspect of your life? And so if we're going to have freedom in any area of our life, it begins with knowing that we're free in Jesus Christ. Knowing that he's freed us from shame and guilt. He's freed us from our slavery to sin. This is uh, Reformation Day. And, and Luther lived in a time that, that in some ways isn't a whole lot different. Right? He had a whole bunch of people around him, including himself, who were living with guilt and shame and never knew whether they were right with God. And they had others who were just kind of trying to manipulate the system and maybe they could buy off God and, and find that they're okay. And he experienced freedom in Jesus. In the word of God, he learned about God's grace and forgiveness. But he realized that in that freedom, he needed to share it with others. He couldn't just keep it to himself. My challenge to you today, as we're exploring that journey to freedom, I honestly want you to evaluate where you're at. And I want you to do it with a, a numbering system from 1 to 10. I'm serious about this. I want you to think about it. Because if you don't number it, you won't be motivated to change. I can just about guarantee that. So I want you to, in every of those circles, I want you to kind of be able to, if in your head or write it down, where are you at? In your faith circle, are you a one kind of still wondering whether Jesus is real and kind of just not sure whether you can count on him or not? Or are you totally sold out and feeling so free that you can just know you can do anything with Jesus being by your side? Where are you at? 
Where's, where's your marriage at? Are, are you, you kind of just kind of getting along, maybe a four or a five, and then things are, uh, it's not that, that great? Or are you soaring in your marriage together? Are you getting uh, that sense of connection and what you need in your marriage? Where are you at? Rate your, your marriage. Maybe I don't want to share that with your spouse right now, but rate yourself where you're at. Are you a 10, a 1? Where are you at? Put a number on it. Where are you at in that financial uh, freedom? Are some of you still digging the hole deeper and deeper and the number is going minus 30, minus 40, minus 50, every week going a little bit deeper? Or I've heard so many great stories of people who have said, wow, this has really been... We, we, my, as a husband and wife, they're talking with each other about their finances and making out financial plans and deciding what they need to, to cut back on so that they can experience the financial freedom. Where are you at? Put a number on it. In your family, are you still, as parents and children, are you still trying to control and not be controlled? Or are you experiencing the freedom of growing as men and women of God, growing as children of God, in what it means to, to experience that, that freedom that happens when we realize what a special thing it is when we have the relationships with our kids and our parents. Where are you at with life issues? Is there something that, some hurt, habit, or hang-up that's got you so that you're enslaved to it? You're down there at, at, a, at a zero or, or below because it's got the best to you. Or are you realizing that with God's help, with Jesus in your life, you don't have to be enslaved to, to your past, to your habits. You can find freedom. Where are you? Put a number on it. Because I can guarantee you, if some of you are going to sit there, I don't want to put a number on it, because if I put a number on it, then maybe I'll have to change. And quite frankly, a lot of you probably really don't want to change. And that's no journey to freedom. That's being stuck in a rut. You know the difference? You know, if you're on a journey, you're moving. If you're spinning your wheels, that's not a journey. That's, that's a problem. So here's what I would encourage you to do. I can't challenge you. Pick the one that was the lowest of the circles, the number that you put on that. And here's what I want to challenge you to do, is to say, in the next six months, with God's help and with the help of my faith family, I'm going to be moving in that circle. Are you going to do it? Ah, uh, some of you say, nah, I don't think so. I like being stuck. But I challenge you to say, and I'm going to, we've got uh, things that we can do to support you and come alongside you in any one of those circles. We'll help you. But it's important that if we're going to be on this journey of freedom, that we get moving, that we take those steps in our life that will get us to that point of freedom that God wants us to be. Because that's what Jesus I came so that you might be free. That's what, what Jesus is all about. That we might experience life to the fullest. And that's a life that's moving in the direction God wants us to be moving. But I'm going to take the challenge a little bit further today. We are increasingly, by God's Holy Spirit working us, we are becoming more free. But the question then is, what do we do with that freedom? Do we just simply say, wow, life is great. Life is awesome. I am having the time of my life. Or do we see that as God calls us into a life of freedom, that we use that freedom with a special sensitivity and with a sense of purpose that God has for that freedom? Let's first address the issue of sensitivity. 
I encourage you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 8. It's on page 810. Now, this section is an interesting section of Scripture. Now, if you think about 1 Corinthians, it's a, uh, Paul's letter to a bunch of know-it-all Christians, and they're involved in sensitivity training. If you go throughout the whole book, they know it all. He says, you need a little sensitivity training. And so here in this chapter 8, there's a specific area of sensitivity training. And you're going to look at it, and your uh, Bible say, food sacrifice to idols. Well, that doesn't apply to me. Well, let's, let's back the boat up and see if it, maybe it doesn't. You see, there in Corinth, and I'm not going to go verse by verse through this, but the point is, there in Corinth, there was a lot of people who believed in gods. They uh, had, uh, their main gods were God Apollos and Aphrodite. The, the, those gods were the god of knowledge and of pleasure. Now that should all of a sudden say, hey, maybe this is relevant to American culture. Because we are into thinking we should have all the knowledge that's going to solve every problem. And we think if we have enough pleasure, we're going to be uh, doing really fine, aren't we? So maybe that should catch our attention. So anyway, these are the, the main gods, but they had other gods. Now, what the uh, Corinthian people would do, who weren't Christians, is that they would go to their temple and sacrifice an animal to one of their gods. So, for example, if you wanted a tip on the stock market, some special knowledge, you'd sacrifice to Apollo, and hopefully he would give you some insight onto where to put your money in the stock market. If you were having a problem in, in uh, your relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend and were hoping to warm things up, you'd sacrifice something to Aphrodite and hopefully she'd make something start cooking uh, there. Now, there were a lot of these temples, a lot of this sacrificing going on. And so what would happen is that the priests and priestess at these temples, they would eat some of the food that had been sacrificed, but they didn't burn the leftovers. They would sell them. Now, here's where I want to kind of explain what they would do, and you can kind of read about it, but uh, they would sell this uh, food sacrifice idols in the market. Now, my wife loves a bargain, so I'm going to use her a little bit here as an example. Imagine if she had to choose between steaks sacrificed to idols that Myers sold for $2 a pound and steaks sacrificed to uh, not sacrificed to idols for $4 a pound at Walmart. She's going to have a dilemma on her hands because she loves a bargain. Now, in Christian freedom, she might begin to, well, the, that food sacrificed to, to idols, there are no gods, there's really not anything. And Paul kind of says to the uh, Corinthians, just, you know, it's okay when you think about it, that food sacrifice is nothing. So is, is it wrong to eat food sacrificed to idols? No. But he says, here's where sensitivity training comes in. And I'm going to just bring you to one verse there in, and I want you to underline this one in your Bibles, verse 9, where he has told them about all this stuff about don't think your puffed up knowledge gives you the freedom to do whatever you want. Verse 9. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. That applies to our lives. We want to make sure that in our Christian freedom that we challenge ourselves to be sensitive to the impact that they have. So Paul is saying to them there in Corinth, if your buying meat sacrifice to idols is going to cause someone who's kind of straddling the fence between idol worship and being a faithful follower of Jesus, then don't make your freedom something that causes them to say, well, maybe you can have both. Maybe you can go back and forth. And that becomes relevant. 
uh, if I were try to bring this, this forward, maybe today is Halloween. And we're going to have bookoodles of kids here for a trunk or treat. In Christian freedom, we know that we can uh, celebrate Halloween. We know that uh, the, the things that, that some people are afraid of, we don't have to be afraid of. And so we can have a lot of fun with this. But I do think we use our Christian freedom with a sensitivity to how it's going to impact on someone who doesn't have a relationship with you. There are Wicca followers in Midland. There are people who are Satan worshipers. And, and we need to, to realize that as we celebrate Halloween, we're probably not going to wear a devil costume or a witch costume. Not because somehow, you know, God would say, oh, you're horrible, you're, I'm damning you to hell if you do. But we're sensitive to how it's going to impact on the unbeliever. Is that making sense to you? And so uh, we, we take a look at that. We say, I want to make sure that as I exercise my Christian freedom, I know that people are watching me. And that's, that's my choice. Recognize that as you live as a free child of God, always be aware that people are watching you. Phyllis and I had an interesting experience this uh, spring when we went on our uh, anniversary cruise to Alaska for our 40th anniversary. We went there and uh, if you've been on a cruise, for your evening meal, you have the same waiter every night. And it's kind of neat. They, they uh, get to know you a little bit. And, and we had a great uh, head waiter at our table. And it was the last night that we were having our formal dining there. And our waiter, the, the other people that were at our table weren't there. And he kind of comes up to us. And he says, how are you doing? And a little bit. And he says, hey, I want to tell you two something. I've been watching you all week long. And every night before your meal, I see that you kind of grab each other's hands and it's obvious that you're praying. Are you Christians? Well, yeah. He says, I'm a new Christian. I was just baptized six months ago. He says, it's so neat to see you taking that. He says, most people come in these cruises, these come and they dig right in, never take time to thank God. I suppose Phyllis and I could have been free not to, to, to take that, that time there on our cruise and in our prayer, but you never know when someone is watching how you're giving witness to your faith in Jesus. And I just encourage you that as a faith and as we're on this journey uh, to freedom, that we realize that people are watching us. Our neighbors are watching us. Our coworkers are watching us. Our classmates at school are watching us. There are many people are, uh, that are watching how we're using our Christian freedom. So that's the challenge to us. That we don't just use this freedom with a sense of, well, I can do it because there's no rule in the Bible that says I can't. We use our Christian freedom with sensitivity. So we're growing in our freedom, right? Amen? You're ready to grow? All right, you're not going to stay stuck in a rut, right? You're going to use your freedom with sensitivity because you know that others are watching. Now here's my closing challenge to you. And I'd like for you to turn to the Gospel of John, page 694. I'm the Gospel of Matthew. I'm sorry, Matthew, it's up there. Read that. Matthew 16, page 694. Here's what I want to challenge you. Do you see yourself as free enough in your following Jesus to actually deny yourself 
for the sake of someone separated from God. Listen to Jesus' words. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life, underline this and circle it, for me will find it. Where are you at on your journey? Have you come to that point where you're willing to deny yourself and take up a cross? You see, your cross is not having to wear a cheese head because you made a silly bet with another pastor that <laughs> if the Packers beat the Vikings, that you would wear a cheese head for three seconds. That's not your cross. It may be something shameful and disgusting, but it's not your cross. <laughs> okay. Your cross is not your mother-in-law. Your cross is not the aches and pains that your body deals to you as you get older. That's not your cross. Your cross is not your boss. Your cross is not your neighbor. Your cross is what you're willing to deny yourself because Jesus denied everything for us. That's your cross, what you're willing to deny because he denied himself. He gave it all up for you. He denied his very life so that others could be free. And so for us on this journey of freedom, our freedom has a goal, it has a purpose, that we get to that point where our following Jesus means so much to us, and the freedom that we've experienced in following him means so much to us, that we're willing to deny ourselves so that we can reach that one more life with Jesus. And so the challenge is, what are we willing to deny ourselves to reach that one more life? Are you willing to deny yourself some of your time, your precious time? Are you willing to deny yourself some of the stuff that you might otherwise have so that somehow together we might reach that one more life with Jesus here through our work at Messiah? What are you willing to deny yourself because Jesus denied himself for you? We are on a journey to freedom. And that freedom takes us on a journey with Jesus. A journey that frees us increasingly in every part of our life. A journey that frees us to be sensitive to the weaknesses of others. But ultimately, takes us on a journey of self-denial where reaching that one more life with Jesus becomes our highest priority, our reason for living, our reason for giving glory to God. And all God's people who want to continue on that journey say, Amen. Amen.